podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. This is the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino and this week I'm joined by Paddy, James and Muff for our first weekly show of 2023 as we continue to cover all things Celtic. Lads, a happy new year to you and happy new year to all of our listeners. Let's kick things off with your moment of the week in Celtic. Muff, I'll come to you first, what have you got? Uh, my moment of the week, Tino, hello folks, how are we? Hello Muff. <laughs> happy new year. Uh, happy new year everyone. Um, my moment of the week would be... Dyson Maida's goal against Hibs slash Angie's reaction to it, considering what had went on before, um, it was just class, and I think it probably just sums up Maeda and how he's how he's viewed by by the fans. He's becoming beloved um, for for even more reasons now, um, based on, based on events of the past week. But uh, I, he just it just seems like a right wee character, and and I, and I think you saw for Angie's reaction. Normally, he's not overly. Emotional or, or demonstrative, other than you know, giving it the big game and Celtic score, but you could see he just had the right chuckle himself. I just, I just thought it was class, and I just think that the enigma that is Maeda was just summed up with that first 15 20 minutes Easter Road. I think Andrew's seen it all before, hasn't he? You know, he's he's, he's basically had this for a year or so prior when he had him at uh, Yokohama Marinos, and I think he just knows that Dyson Maeda has got these moments of brilliance and, and moments of madness in him. Oh, he really does. Um, even just watching him. Yesterday, just this, uh, he seems a very quiet individual, Maeda, seems very reserved. And what I loved about even after yesterday's goal, with the celebration, the full team were over. And it's when he gets his wee chance to walk away himself. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the unique angle today for the goals, but it just gives a wee salute to the fans and the fans go nuts at it. Just that, and that, that bond he's starting to create with the fans is great to see as well. We're all starting to see why Ange loves him so much and um, long may it continue and I think he can only get better as well which is great I bet he's great on a night out but he's a dark horse but he's, <laughs> he's up to all sorts uh, James what about you what's been your moment of the week uh, celebrating a celebration as well for me but Aaron Moy um, I think like my he's come back to World Cup full of confidence I think we talked about a couple of post-matches probably post-match hibs um, so the way he celebrated his goal against first goal for Celtic against Tibbs it was kind of a a bit of relief as much as joy and everything else, you know. So it's, it's great to see, you know, anyone who's pulling on a Celtic jersey, I want to see do well. And it was just, I was delighted to see that for him. And just on that then, have you come full circle on that? No, no. Boy? no, where, no. <laughs> where are you on it? He's still too slow for me. So wait, should, should he not play? He's playing well, he's playing with confidence. He should, he should be playing well, he's, well, he's got that confidence. But I think long term, he's not a solution for me in an Ange team, no. Well, I'm, well, I'm changing my mind and sticking to my guns at the same time. <laughs> yeah. uh, some would say you've been a bit stubborn there, James. Not me, but some would say that. Maybe you. Uh, finally, Paddy, what's been the highlight for you? Um, I just came back again to yesterday. Um, just at the end of the game, the celebrations with uh, Cameron Carter Vickers, who had a, a storm on yesterday, unreal. And alongside him, Alistair Johnson, who... You know, you're coming into a, a baptism of fire at Ibrox, your first game. You've not kicked the ball in a few weeks as well. And I just, you know, he slotted right in there for me. Um, he get the reading of the game very, very quickly. And yeah, just the reaction of them. And I don't always like seeing people celebrating draws, but I think there's a lot more that what they've, they've, uh, they've went and done yesterday. There's a lot more to come out about that. The news. Um, obviously we're hearing about flu within the camp and um, just what they came through yesterday the decision as well for the penalty they knew they were up against it I just thought they'd done really really well Yeah, it was a big call to throw Johnson in but he didn't let anyone down did he? Well as it sounds it seems as if it might have been his only fully ready right back as well so um, it is a big call but this is why you come and play for Celtic so you need to be ready Yeah good shout Okay so let's take a look at what's coming up on this week's show First off, we'll be reviewing yesterday's Glasgow Derby and covering all the major talking points from an interest in 90 minutes at Ibrox. Then, as an extension of that, we'll take a closer look at the ongoing farce that is VAR in Scottish football, not just from the Derby game, but also in how it's been applied in general since its introduction in Scottish football. And finally, we'll then pick out something which we think you'll enjoy from this week in Celtic media. OK, so let's get started by covering all the big talking points from that 2 each draw at Ibrox on Monday. Muff, to get the ball rolling, let's have a look at the starting lineup. So... Of the big calls that he had to make, I thought Andrew was going to go for Janovic at right back, Moy in the midfield, and Jota on the wing. I got all of them wrong. What do you think? Uh, I seen you were subject to a wee bit of derision on the, uh, in the old uh, tweet box not, uh, yesterday. There, not for know? the first time. Sorry about that. Um, but I, 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 that was just for jump. Um, 
No, to be honest, I, I felt, and, and you know this because I, I messaged you when I saw the team, if there's any lessons to be learned for history, it's you don't play James Forrest Ibrooks. That said, he could have come off a part in the first half and created a couple of goals for, for cutbacks that we never really took advantage of. So, and I, I do think he offered a bit of defensive protection as well. I, th- I thought, he, I thought he worked, I thought he worked reasonably hard. Don't she? Disagree. Don't she? A shocker. But th- overall, there was also misplaced passes and the, the stuff you usually see from you know almost a bit fragile in possession. Not like he normally is, where he's direct and he chooses the right option quite a lot of the time. He, he normally chooses. So for me, that's a lesson learned for, for history is that you just don't put not, not solely Forrest them, but I think there's obviously been reasons as to why certain members have, haven't featured in the game. Probably most notably Jota because he's been struggling with some sort of bug and he's he's not been over it. So um, basically, I thought he, he picked the wrong team. I also would have had Moyen instead of Riley. Just to stay on the forest thing for a minute, because I'm keen to hear yourself, Paddy and James on that one. No, don't give him a chance. Right, so you've said that the lesson is don't play James Forrest at Ibrox. We have seen over the years, James Forrest has been phenomenal for Celtic. We know all too well about his 100 goals, 100 assists, brilliant stuff. But he's always struggled at Ibrox, regardless of you know what versus the Rangers over the, the various years. And it was no different yesterday. It seemed like a typical James Forrest at Ibrox performance. And this isn't to... to pick him out as an individual but it didn't go well and Ange had other options available to him what do you think it is with James Forrest Ibrox is that a a mindset a characteristic because listen he's our most experienced player he's he's been there longer than anyone else he's seen it all and done it all at Celtic but he still seems to get a wee bit spooked at Ibrox mindset is James Forrest's biggest obstacle his whole career if James Forrest was a a player breaking through now there'd be a lot more support and psychology going into his game and I think we would see a lot more than we have and we've seen plenty from him by the way his record speaks for itself but I think he's always played within himself I've always thought there's an extra level in James Forrest that we never got to see and the mentality the kind of not a mental weakness but there's just something in his head he's the most experienced uh, Glasgow Derby player on the, on the pitch yesterday and he's the one that's really not stepping up you know McGregor's behind him a wee bit but in terms of appearances Forrest should be the one that's going I've done this plenty of time lads follow me and it wasn't that way I think it was the wrong pick now to Paddy's point we we can talk about wrong picks but not if we don't have the information about who's actually fit fit so if a bad is coming off the back of a virus then Forrest is the pick so it's hard to give Ange a hard time on that time will tell um, in the end what, what comes out but he didn't have a good game I thought that gives more credit to, to Johnson because he wasn't getting the help you know he was he was making a lot of good runs having to do a lot of extra defending that you know um, Maid and, and Taylor on the left were having a good pa- partnership Johnson wasn't getting that from Forrest Yeah What's your own thoughts Paddy so I know you're a big fan of James Forrest um, your take on that and also the decision not to play Moy in the midfield I think um Definitely on the forest one, I, I could agree that it's um, it was a bit of a, a head scratcher when we seen he was he was on the the, the starting eleven. For me, I think the front three um, deserve just a little bit of a, more understanding as how the game actually flowed. Maeda done really well in protecting um, in protecting Taylor, and I think that they wanted to try and get a lot down the right as much as they they, they want to with Kent in the left, but. Um, they see Tavernier as the, the main man for it coming coming down to assists and stuff like that. But I actually think we've done very well in keeping him quiet and that was just down to the hard work uh, from the two on the left. Going over to the right, one thing Forrest tries to do and he does it, he, he's done it his full career, is he waits and waits and waits while the ball is kind of scrambling about in the middle of the park just to be ready to make that run in behind. And it was such a scrappy game in the middle of the park yesterday. I thought, I even look at the state of that park yesterday as well. Um, I think, you know, not to, using this as an excuse in any way, it was choppy, the ball was bobbling on it, and the ball was not sitting down in the middle at all yesterday. So I give the front three the benefit of the doubt for the, the, the transition of play yesterday. I really do. Um, I agree with James. I thought there were, there were some points in the first 10 minutes he was really tucking in with Johnson, but I don't think that happened for the remainder of the half. And it takes one bad touch in a game like that and your head's down. But I generally think that, you know, it's it, it seems as if he's had to play. Not that we wanted to go with Forrest. I think he's had to play. So, yeah. He's, he's been on form, mm-hmm. you know. He has. It's, 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 it wasn't a wild choice because when he's come on the last few games, he's played well. Yeah. So, but I do think it was it was forced. 
Well, you would rather a bad or Jota in a Especially game like that. The one that comes in at the back post, a scores that. Ah, well, you, you look against, definitely, you're up against Barisic, you know. Yeah. He's, he's torn him apart. But I think everyone would have thought as well, Forrest could easily do this as well. Should do. I mean, there was lots of speculation pre-match about who would play right back, would Moy play over Riley? But there was never a suggestion from anybody I spoke to or seen online about James Forrest getting the nod. No, no, and I suppose the way I looked at it at the start without thinking too much about any bugs going through the camp or anything like that. A bit of experience, you, you can see, you know, we are, we are a new team under and so the stuff that's been in the past is in the past. I think you've you've mentioned that before, James, about when you talk about one-to-one records or records against clubs and things like that, you can just put all that in the bin and say, no, this is Angie's Andy's team record, now yeah. and, you know, it's Angie's record. And so, for that point, has, has Forrest started at Ibrox for Angie? Maybe once, you know, maybe the start of last season or, or, or did he? But in any case... That's what he saw fit to pick a team. He wanted a bit of experience. Fine, you know, that's fine by me. I just think in hindsight, it's not many times we would have said this, but you look at it and you go, maybe he's just started with the wrong team. Now, there, there may be additional reasons as to why that team's been put out there. That's fine. But I think that the key point for me, and, and I've seen some wild takes <laughs> on, on it, um, the key thing for me is we've found ourselves in a home we've dug ourselves out again. It's just a recurring theme. Yeah. That's true, and that's the the bigger picture look at it but just I suppose to finish off this section James is it fair for us or anybody simply to suggest that obviously we've got the benefit of hindsight but just as Miff says the Rans just get it wrong and if so that's fine that's what happens in football I think we were talking about it yesterday so if we're working on the assumption there's no virus right because that's the information we have but we suspect there might have been then I think it's fine to say yeah you got it wrong I was more than happy to say it in Simran and I think Ange knew he'd made too many changes there I think you've, you've got to have played more yesterday both in terms of Riley being off form and Moy being bang on form and you've got to play a badder because he loves roasting Barisic so even on those two if everyone's fit in that kind of conundrum then those are wrong picks so, but you know he's got so much credit in the bank and he's allowed to make a wee slip now and again Yeah and as Paddy said it's the bigger picture it's, it's what we managed to do in terms of battling hard to pull the draw out the bag and everything the players showed in terms of that and also the players that didn't start He's brought them on at the right times and they've had such an impact and we'll get to that just shortly. In terms of the game overall, so obviously Celtic take the lead after just five minutes. It's Dyson and Maeda converting after being assisted, first of all, by Morelos and then Tavernier. They've made a complete mess of that, which is nice. That was incredibly the 13th time in 20 league games that Celtic have scored inside the first 15 minutes. And we've spoken about it several times now. That's, that doesn't happen by chance. That can happen on a few occasions by chance. It's clearly part of the the approach and it's how we set out to come out the traps, you know, fast and furious. And in terms of Maeda Paddy, he was just very, very sharp and anticipating that pass and he's tucked away really well, hasn't he? Well, this is kind of what we're, we're going back to saying. He, he seems to be just getting more confident as each game goes on and just how switched they all were um, from a throw-in, from a Barisic throw-in. They wanted that ball and that's what I loved about it is actually throughout the game, any 50-50, we were taking them, we were, we were, we were winning it and I have to say, I've uh, I've criticised O'Reilly on this show. A few criticised him yesterday. I actually thought his ball retention and uh, like getting the ball back as soon as possible was brilliant yesterday. I thought he was really really good at it. And I've actually we, we talk about um, Moy being more defensive, defensively minded, and seeing games out. O'Reilly's a better defender than him, in, in my opinion. And just the way we're um, we're talking about Forrest maybe not coming back and supporting. Um, uh, Johnson so much it was O'Reilly it was out in the right wing causing Lundstrom all the issues with the ball yeah, pressing him I pressing yeah. him yeah it was choppy like I say the ball wasn't wanting to sit wasn't wanting to roll and that played into our favour for this goal because they just wanted to get it away from that area because it wasn't calm because we were in their faces and that all comes from Matt O'Reilly yesterday for that first goal yeah, fair enough and, and credit was due because I know you have got your mixed thoughts yeah. on him Paddy so you know fair points James just in terms of Dyson Maida do you think he's been our best player since returning from the World Cup I think so. Yeah, I think he's the he's the, he's the man in form. Um, you, you saw how on his toes he was. He he was waiting for Brelos to make a mistake there. He was already away. He was a yard away on his run. It was actually a poor first touch. And Tavernier says, "Sorry, mate, were you going through and goal there? Off you pop!" And he just goes past goals and Goldson thinks about it and he just can't touch him or he's away. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly a confidence player, but at the moment his confidence is sky high. Yes, as it and it, it, it's great to see, but that that's what. I- a goal and some recognition that a World Cup will do for you. You know, we've seen that before. We players maybe just having a good three or four games at the World Cup and getting big money moves. So uh, the fact that, f- as far as we're concerned, 
doesn't appear to be any danger of us losing him, but it, it's actually translated into confidence rather than a, a big money move, and it's just us that's reaping the, the benefits of that. Um, who would have thought the Qatar World Cup would have been so well received? Let's, let's get another <laughs> in the calendar, lads. Um, no, the, he took his goal brilliantly well early in the game. Uh, you know, the way we started the game was excellent. I thought the first 15 20 minutes we made Rangers look very, very ordinary to the point where. It was about a toxic, poisonous atmosphere. Rangers were they were twenty, thirty yards off us at times when we were playing through them. No, no problem at all. And then there was a, just a couple of things that happened that I think swung the momentum. Um, but just to, to finish off in my this goal, agreed. Rayleigh's pressing. I think the whole team had kind of cornered them, um, and they, they they tried to play out. And they're just not that type of team. They, they can't they can't they can't play like that. They are an agricultural team. I know they think they're a better football team than us. All that when, when I speak to Rangers fans, they they truly truly believe. But but to me. And, and nobody epitomises it more than Sakala, but they're hustle bustle. Mm-hmm. You know, it's direct balls over rush. the top. You know, not the ball and run. That's that's their style of football. There's there's no really a pattern to play. So, I think when when we dominated the first twenty twenty five minutes, I, th- I think we made them look really bad without us having that really ruthless cutting edge that we've normally got. And on that very point, so as you say, off to a great start, the goals in five minutes, 15, 20 minutes, absolutely controlling the game. And the next question for you lads is, is where did it all start to go wrong? I'm going to read out a quote from Ange first of all. So he says, we started really well and then we just lost control, mainly self-inflicted because of our passing. We made mistakes in areas of our passing that we don't usually do and it allowed them into it and they got a bit of momentum, particularly with the crowd behind them. You've mentioned a couple of moments, Smith. I suppose it is pretty obvious, but I would pinpoint the Joe Hart moment around about 27 minutes, I think. I, I would like to defend that. Okay, we'll get to that in a second. So Joe Hart's moment around about 27 minutes because it definitely gave them a huge lift. Uh, and the other moment, of course, was Greg Taylor going off, which was just before that. I think around about 21 minutes, Greg Taylor goes off. So I'll come to you first then, James. What about that Joe Hart moment? To, to Rangers' credit, they were um, they started to press us about that 20 to 25 minutes and they started to press us better when we were coming out from the back. And Starfield in particular got caught under a couple of times, they had to kind of panic back to uh, Joe Hart and then off to Carter Vickers and whatever. See if Joe Hart ever finds himself in a position where he hasn't got an option and it's a decent ball, he's just going to clear it. The ball for the one you're talking about that he ends up spilling out, you know, it's actually a foul from Morelos if we want to be strict about it. But I don't think so. Ah, it's a push in the goalie with no attempt at the ball. It's not a shoulder charge. I don't anyway. think so. So anyway, that's not, that, that's not the defensive part. It's a poor ball from Starfield back to the goalie. So Hart has to come across to get it. By the time he gets there, he goes, I've got no options and I don't have a decent option to clear this. What he should really be doing then is put out for a throw in, maybe. But where's my defenders? We know we play out from the back. So I've got, I should have an option here, an option here, and I should have McGregor right in front of me. And none were there. So that's where he panics. So I think the defence in the midfield have got to be better shown for the goalie there because we know we play like that. If the goalie's under pressure, the options aren't there. They could have helped him out, but surely you've got to shell it when you realise you don't have those options. I, th- I think that, but you know, we it's drilled hard into them that shelling it is your absolute last option. So where are my options? I I think the last option was pretty obvious that it was there though. Before I, I don't I don't agree with that. I, th- I think that's going back to the Leipzig game where he kind of just struggled. This is what's the way the manager wants me to play. If I play a snide pass, I play a snide pass. Fine. At that particular moment in time, I think it was pretty obvious to everybody he had to empty it, especially a guy his experience. I think that that's that's the difference. It's not it's not like he's naive, but. <sighs> I, I do, at one point I would concede that is Rangers did press very well at that moment, which caused the mistake for, for Starfield. Um, but Starfield is somebody else I felt, I felt was really really below par. Um, yesterday started the game reasonably well, but then gets sucked in, I think between him and Juranovic, it just that created a bit of weakness down the left side. And he's, Starfield on the ball was, was particularly poor yesterday. But the that, that particular moment... I just think Hart should be putting his laces through early doors. Aye. I'll come to you, Paddy, because when Muff was mentioning Starfield, a couple of things I've seen a grimace come a across your face. He, he is the man who cannot be criticised, apparently. <clears throat> nah, nah, I wouldn't say that, Muff. I wouldn't say that. He, he came on to a lot of criticism after his first 90 minutes at the club, if you think think about that. Um, I just think he's an easy target. We've got Cameron Carter-Vickers, who does not do anything wrong. I'm, you know, he's, he's, he's solid. Starfelt was playing against a, playing alongside a guy on the left that didn't want to be there yesterday. I think you've got to remember that. I, I think he'd done really, really well. Any ball that was coming into the box, 
he was there or thereabouts. Him and Carter Vickers done that in April at Ibrox and they, they weather the storms very, very well. And actually, from that Joe Hart mistake, Hart makes an incredible save onto the post. Starfelt makes an even better tackle mm -hmm. from Sakala's shot. I, I, I'm somewhere in between you two lads because I think there was moments, particularly in possession, I thought Starfelt was cheap. But there was moments defensively Aye. he was huge. But that cheapness, sorry Tino, that cheapness comes from not having that option in the left. Yeah. I thought it started when Taylor was still on. He, mm, he was finding himself know. under pressure I, and panicking a wee bit. I, I, I think part of it with Starfield's aesthetics, it's how he, how he looks. Now he always looks like he's doing things just as he's falling over or, or he, he looks rushed or he leaves, leaves it late or he's off balance. He, he's just aesthetically, when you look at somebody like Vickers, he's, he's like solid. When, when he's passing the ball, he's always upright and he, he looks in control all the time. Starfield mm -hmm. doesn't always look like that. So when he does do something wrong, even when he does something right, sometimes he'll be passing the ball, he'll kind of be falling over as he's passing the ball. He's, he's just got a very strange technique. But as as always with Starfield, there's good and bad. See, when it comes to attacking the ball in the box and headers, stuff like that, Starfield's always there or thereabouts. You get back to the Hibs game, the way he started the Hibs game, first 15, 20 minutes when we were under a bit of pressure, he's read the game brilliantly. But he's just—he just seems to be when he when he's on the ball, he's just got that bit in him. And I, I take your point about about Juranovic. I mean, Juranovic, you saw we were talking about that before we came in. You saw behind the goals for, yeah, I think it's Rangers' first goal. Juranovic is asking Starfield to come over. Starfield stays. The two of them have a right ding dong after after the ball goes in the net when, when Kent puts the ball in the net. So clearly, there was a bit of niggle be between them in terms of what they felt each other should be doing, and I. I I, I basically, I just think both of them had a relatively poor game. But that's that's the way I, I put it. Juranovic has to take Starfelt's lead there because he's a left-sided defender, not Juranovic. I don't think he's, Juranovic he's has to go where he wants to go. No, simple as Whenever Starfelt tells Juranovic to be where he should Aye. be, he should be dictating the play. Yeah, even more so from the fact that that is where Starfelt plays. He's the left centre half, so he knows what should happen in those areas between him and whether it's Taylor, Juranovic, or anyone else, Burnaby out there. Um, I suppose the, the, the thing for Starfelt, perhaps given the choice he would rather play where Carter Vickers plays being a natural right-sider and I wonder if this is where Kobayashi will come in it will you know, be. an interesting question whether Ange starts to tinker with that in the games ahead we've got some League Cup stuff some Scottish Cup stuff and I wonder if we might see Kobayashi I like Starfield I I'm a fan I think he's good at the moment he's absolutely a first choice for me but I think it's fair to say he had a mixed performance at times why don't we go to the penalty paddy? Just you were skipping ahead a wee bit, but does he have to go to the ground? Go to the ground for that? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Um, I was a, a bit adamant that that was kind of the, the last ditch of what he had to do after. Again, Juranovic just said, "There's the door open when you go." Mm. Um, but for me, I, I, I've looked at it back. Looked back yesterday, and he doesn't have to go to the ground. There's no, there's no shot on um, mm. for Sakala. Um, is it unfortunate the way that the tackle happens? Absolutely. Is it a penalty? Yeah. Do you get up the other end? Say again? Get up the other end? I'd hope so. As you yeah, know, in this country, I definitely think it's a penalty. Yeah, so. I, I, I think it's soft. It's very unfortunate, but I do think it's a penalty. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's that one, but yeah. Sakala goes to plant his foot, which happens to be where Starfield's sliding trailing leg is. It's probably a penalty. So Leo Labada goes to shoot at Parkhead, where uh, Ryan Ken's foot happens to be. Did we get the penalty then? We didn't have did far. Still a penalty. It was a stone wall. Uh, yes, but didn't we didn't have far. He didn't go to He didn't go to For the... Sakala, did they know? Yeah. No. Anyway, what was your take on him if you were going to say something about that? As a penalty. As a penalty, but, but Juranovic should take a yellow card outside the box. <sighs> yeah, Exactly, and you know, so this brings us kind of very much on Juranovic as a subject in himself. So he comes in in 21 minutes for Greg Taylor. There's a lot of suggestion that, you know, why are we not bringing in Burnaby? And it's a fair question, mm -hmm. but Juranovic is a World Cup semi-finalist. He should be capable of playing at left-back for Celtic, and I think he has done on a number of occasions uh, last season as well. So... A lot of folk are p pinning that one on Ange, saying, you know, what are you doing? What's he thinking? The guy's a quality player and he should have done better. Guys can come in on any given day and have a bad game. That can't always come down to the manager. But what's your take on it, James? He clearly struggled. I mean, for the first goal as well, his positional sense for Sakala was yeah. woeful, who eventually gets it to Kent and then at the penalty as well. I, I thought that was it. His, his positional awareness sense, he just looked uncomfortable from the get-go. And like you said, he's played in that position before. No one likes a right full-back at a left full-back because it is unnatural. You've trained your whole life to do different things to do it the opposite side so it is even though he can do it no one wants to do it we need to look into the Bernabe situation but in terms of Juranovic himself he gets caught between pressing you know heavy pressing Tavernier and then he just leaves Sakala and Rangers long ball team say McGregor just spots him shells it to him and then before you know it Kent's got the ball in a really good position so that 
and the fact that he was getting turned inside out for the the penalty one, but he should have just taken him out and taken the booking. So yeah, and then you know if you want to add in full mitigation. Was he carrying, you know, um, flu virus or whatever kind of thing? So there's two things I'll put to you, Miff, at the moment. So, yeah, he may have been carrying a bug of sorts, which is fine. You know, but, and, and there's a lot of guesswork there, but it does, there does seem to be something in the fact there was maybe a virus in the camp. So you could protect him there. My other um, train of thought is that should we be playing a guy, listen, I, he's not going to be here at the end of January. That's, that's the way it's looking for everybody. We're signing right backs, clearly, to replace him or to make sure we've got cover. He's going into that game, oh, you know, full-blooded atmosphere at Ibrox. Does he want to get himself injured and potentially ruin a move to, I don't know who's in from just now, Chelsea, Atletico Madrid, Man U, whatever. You've got a guy there who's possibly going to give you less than 100%, not because he's not a good pro, just because it's in the back of his mind, Miff. Should we have played him at all? He, he played like a dice skate soon. I, I, I've, I've, I've very rarely seen a player of, of such calibre, you know, apply themselves so poorly. But when you're wearing your heart's top, you know, it's, it's made me think that... Um, Burnaby's performance at Tynecastle, I think, is the reason why he didn't go on the pitch yesterday. He really, really spooked at Tynecastle um, to the point where it was Taylor coming on that actually changed the game for us, if, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Really, we were really weak down the left hand side, and he, and he was pretty poor at retaining possession. Two months ago, I'm, I'm, I'm th- well, I'm just thinking that he's not had a lot of game time since then. There's been a break. You've got Yaranovic on the bench, who has played at left back before, and we've mentioned his experience as well. I think we in both things up he's maybe felt that's just the safer option which in, in that moment I agreed with however in hindsight you would say it's maybe another call that the, the manager's got wrong there's a question you know get into the second half you're thinking should they potentially take Juranovic off I, again I, I, I'd have been okay I, with that I thought so yeah, they, got five subs. So. and don't get yep. me wrong the ultimate snub for a professional to be the sub that then gets <laughs> subbed <laughs> if you weren't going in January yeah now you'd well, also try to punt him for a well, few quid it, it would have been a real snub there might have been the right call it's not even just been this thing or he's maybe going in January the heads, the tools have been down you look at the amount of times Ralston's come in and started games before the World Cup Ange has seen a player that said I want to protect myself for this Croatia squad mm-hmm. and if I get to move here I'm going to go as well and it's been pretty poor from and very unprofessional. I, I, I think that that's a, an excellent point. That you know, the this is the culmination of an attitude shown before the World Aye. Cup. That mm-hmm. you know, this has all been chattered before the World Cup. Juranovic played like he was in the shop window at the World Cup. But but in terms of in the context of the Juranovic debate, this is the model in action. A man bought for two and a half million has shown himself to be far better than that. Mm-hmm. We've scored the market, we've got him at the basement rate, we've brought him in, he showed that he's better than than the money we paid for him. He's going to get a move to a, a bigger league, say, not mm-hmm. necessarily a bigger team. And then we've bought a young, hungry right back who's also performed well at the World Cup, who, to my eyes, looks like he's, he's somebody that's going to be an asset. And is, I think the main thing is he's happy to be there. We've got somebody in Tony Ralston who's you know probably got to stay with us certainly for the length of time that Ange is going to be there he's somebody that's got to be a reliable squad player at the very least under Ange this is the model in action we're, we're going to get money in far in excess of what we paid for Juranovic whilst we've already got a replacement there who's who's shown that he's up to the job I mean I, I just think nobody's losing out of this no uh, you're, you're right it's it's the system in action the issue isn't anything to do with Juranovic or what we sign him for what we're going to sell him for the issue is we may have made a misstep currently on current viewing on the cover for Greg Taylor. Greg Taylor showed how important he is to his yesterday and we don't have a replacement. So if Juranovic has started yesterday and he went off or he was having a bad game, Johnson's on or Ralston's on when he's fit. We don't have that level of cover on the left. So what are the coaches seen or not seen in Burnaby that they could trust him to go in his left back yesterday because he was signed as a left back cover? Agreed. It's, it's one of the ones where we might just have got it wrong. We've played three and a half million for this guy and we've seen very little. I understand Greg Taylor's been in great form, but we should possibly have seen just that bit more of him. And maybe Ange just doesn't have the confidence confidence at this moment in time. Listen, he's very early in his Celtic career as well, and he may come good. But at the moment, he's not quite hit the ground at the, the pace he should have. I think what he's he suffered from potentially is Taylor's form just been so good that mm-hmm. t- Taylor's mm-hmm. practically been undroppable. So it's been any times Taylor has dropped out the team, it's been really, really noticeable to the point where y- you're almost trying to just keep Taylor playing as often as possible yeah. I, I, I feel a bit sorry for Burnaby because he, he probably should have had more game time up to now um, it, it's just really one, one of these things just the way the season's worked out but I, I, I still think there's plenty of time for him to do well I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, I I don't worry too much I, I, just, I just think it was, it was a, 
a perfect storm of circumstances yesterday that made Ange think I'm going for the experience. Mm-hmm. I think Ange just played it safe. Who's who's to say somebody like Burnaby coming on um, m- maybe took the game up the other end rather than, than, than be a bit more defensive. Yeah. But again, that that's all if spots and maybes. Yeah. I think he's just went for the safe option at the time. Fair enough. Last point on Juranovic. Around about, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, he's got Vinicius Junior in his back pocket. And yesterday he struggles with fashion Sakala. I th- I've said it before, I think he's a terrible footballer. He's pacey and he's lively. He's also ranked rotten. Did you see some of the shots he had? Oh, wild. Just, woeful footballer. But he had the run of Juranovic yesterday and I think that was really poor. Did you see the B celebration when he got the penalty <laughs> while he's holding <laughs> his knee? Really? Like, oh, rub, rubbing his uh, left shin. <laughs> odd character. Uh, but Matthew, you've talked often enough about when a player's ready to go and their head's gone, we should let them go. And I think that's where we find ourselves with Juranovic. He's been a great servant, popular with the fans. He's even got a song paddy, but I think it's time to go. And we need to make that move now, for his sake and for everybody's sake, because if he's going to turn in performances like that, nobody wins, least of all the player himself. Just if, if we're still staying on Juranovic for a, a brief second, um, his performances this season especially in the Champions League have left a lot of fans you know less than impressed I, I think there are a division of fans who are quite happy to see him go me personally I, I liked him I, I liked him I thought if you do get his head right he's he's a, he's an exceptional player to has, have as we've seen at the World Cup but it comes back to that point again Tino um, uh, since the 2020 season I'm very very passionate about it if you don't care who it is Kyogo Jakimakis, Juranovic, if you don't want to be there, get them out the door. Yeah. It, it, you're, you're right in putting it in the past tense. I liked him. I liked him. You know, that, that's that's correct. So cold. He's, he's class, but you're gone, you're gone. He's yesterday's man. Um, just in terms of the bigger picture of the game then, so obviously we've only <laughs> covered some first half stuff. We go 1 0 <laughs> up at half time, uh, or we're 1 0 up at the break, should I say. Morelos has some big chances, a couple of big headers that he should probably do better with. Big. But then, absolutely big. But within about eight minutes of the second half, we find ourselves 2-1 down. We've mentioned how poor Juranovic was uh, in the lead-up to the equaliser by Ryan Kent. Uh, certainly with the penalty by Sakala getting the running out in the box. And what we'll do, we've covered the penalty a wee bit in terms of the you know that tackle. Whether it's a penalty or not, you can debate as long as you want. But maybe Starfield doesn't need to go to ground. But that, that aside, at that moment, we were under serious pressure. And it's very unlike this Ange side to collapse, if that's not too dramatic a word. Yes, but I, I mean, context everything. I thought it was a bit harsh, Paddy Collins, Starfield, a bomb scare. But I mean, context <laughs> everything. You're against a team who, this is their last roll of the dice. We, at the end of the day, we gave them encouragement. That's probably <laughs> the bit that sticks in everybody's craw the most. We gave them the encouragement, and they know that. Um, but, you know, professional players, if, if there's one game that Rangers team would be mo- motivated for, it's against us at Ibrox. And, um, that's that's what you saw come out. They, they they just started, you know, kind of fighting a bit harder, pressing us a bit harder, being a bit more direct as well. I think they they, they looked for balls kind of in behind to to get his turn um, d- down the channels. It, it's effective football at any level if you've got fast players and, and skillful players, and, and you know, and somebody like Kent who who had an on day uh, mm-hmm. yesterday in terms of his work rate, he was he was all about the park, and then somebody like Sakala who, you know, he kicked the ball, he likes to kick the ball in front of himself and, and, and chase it down. And for somebody of a game what Juranovic had yesterday, he, he was just Juranovic's position was just so poor. And even his body shape, everything, just show him down the line. He's, he's no, he's no got, he's no got a trick to beat. You just show him down the line. But in any case, um, that that's what yielded. Rangers had a good 15-20 minutes. That that was all they really had in in, in the game. Either side of half time, a good 15-20 minutes probably. Other than that, I, I thought I thought they were really agricultural, really agricultural. Any any sort of possession and fluid movement came came for Celtic. Even even when they were under the cosh, that come come the end of the game, Rangers just had two banks of four sitting in, sitting deep in their own half. Is a question for you: How many Celtic players versus how many Rangers players were in the box when Kyogo scored? Five Celtic, ten Rangers. Was it? Is it right? ten, ten yep. Rangers? That's interesting in itself. We'll get to the kind of subs and how they change things just shortly as we start to kind of wrap the chat up on, on yesterday's game. But we've spoken a few times now, there's been mention of this potential bug in the camp. Though we've not heard anything official, or I've certainly not heard anything official from Andrew otherwise, and it may explain a you know a fair bit about the game. Now I don't want to speculate too much on this next character but I'm a bit concerned about the lack of game time that Jota's getting and why he's spending so much time on the bench. You've either got a bug or not, you're either fit or not. So see if he's on the bench with a temperature or he's feeling nauseous, 
then he wouldn't be on the bench right so I'm saying he's fit to play but he's now not started Celtic's last three games he's come off the bench and fits and starts over those games and I think over the piece he's played around about an hour of football do you think there's anything more in that I'll come to you Paddy that he's been protected for a move in the same way that Juranovic hasn't been playing much either no is there a suggestion that he might be on the nah he's not going anywhere this this season no chance why so sure why so sure I I just think that you know we can have players on the bench um, if they're not fully fit because we've got the the science there to be able to say you know what you might get 30 minutes out of him and it'll be a good level of of 30 minutes look what what he done when he come on I generally no Tino it would be a wise move to keep him this season of course it would so I think we're all desperate to keep him I'm just wondering if there's something more to it I, I, I just think that Paddy's answered your question there very well the end part being the most important part is that Ange would think I assume a good 15 minutes out of him is, yeah. is might be all I need is, is, is yeah. you know is worth That's, having him on the bench for and, and, and proved to be the point so for as much as we can give Ange stick for other decisions that was one that I think he did he did get right if, if he's not been able to last half an hour he seems to have been very deliberate for keeping him to yeah, that time I, and he's just went on and he's, he's done the business Yeah, he started the first game back against Aberdeen he then starts against Livingston then that this is where he hits the bench so in St Johnson he came on in the 67th minute against Hibs the 84th minute so next to nothing and against Rangers 77 now he has an impact in you know in different ways, and he, he had a huge part to play in that equaliser, and, and the desire to get into the box when Moy had tried to get across as well. You know, it's his challenge on Ryan Jack that that leads it to spilling. He's a phenomenal player. I want him to beat Celtic for the next twenty years if we can get him. But I'm just wondering if there's something more to it. Why, why we not no. see? Tell me this: Why do you spend six million on Jota and not start him at Ibrox? Because I think I think it's just Pad- Paddy's nailed it. He's, he's coming back from an illness and the stats are saying you're not going to give me 90 minutes best I'll get you 15 and I want them to be impactful 15 at the end not 15 and collapse and go off there's a lot goes into it this is Jota's first stable club environment for four or five years so is that he's not looking for a move now that's not to say someone hasn't watched Celtic in the Bernabeu and went right get some money in that guy and try and put bids in I, I, I think scouts will be looking at Jota and, and putting bids in I don't see anything from Jota, the management, his style of play, nothing to suggest that he's looking for a move. I think this is 2-2 two two makes 17. He's just not been well and now he's getting better. Has he not been well against St Johnson and Hibs and Rangers? Is he, is he sitting there with the, the paracetamol on the bench just getting the... No, he may be just not quite fully recovered yet for his lost salts, water, whatever kind of thing. I think this is not one to worry about. Tino. James, I'm a qualified physician. I, I <laughs> Are you about to tell us that he's going to go? <laughs> I just really hope not. But I just, you just really worried? I, I, was, I was so puzzled by it because I actually thought when we were talking pre-match and weighing up who was going to start, was it going to be Abada? Was it going to be Jota? The more I thought about it, I convinced myself that Abada certainly done it against Strangers at Celtic Park, less so Ibrox. And I just thought, Do you know what? <coughs> big, big games call for big players. Yeah. Tell me put Jota back in and just very surprised to see him being on the bench for three games. Here's hoping it's just a, a slight temperature, James, and he's back for Kilmarnock on Saturday. Just to you on that one then, right? So mm-hmm. look at it from Angie's point of view. Who Who is the informed player and who do you not want to drop at the moment? It's Maeda. Of it's course. Maeda, and yeah. I don't see Jota as influential down the right. I'd still put him in the right because of that. He's a big game player. Aye. No, no, fair enough. But I just think it, it just... If he's not fully there, then I Absolutely, just think it's been, the right, fully aye, it's yeah. been the right call. Paddy, why are you trying to get Jota a move? <laughs> What's your problem? Uh, okay, so moving on to the, the final section in terms of the, the Glasgow Derby chat. Um, the subs and the impact they made in the game. So after an hour, uh, obviously excluding Taylor going off injured, but after an hour, Celtic bring on Abada and Moy for Forrest and O'Reilly. And then on 77 minutes, it's Jota that we've mentioned and Jack Marcus for Maeda and Tatati. Meanwhile, Rangers are bringing on Ryan Jack, Scott Wright and James Sands. And in short, was this really the difference, Smith, between us getting a point on the day? Are our squad options and the depth that we have, are they just so much stronger than Rangers at this moment in time? Yes. And, uh, you know, I think the, the, there was a fairly shambolic contribution for all three subs to the the cause. Um, no, our cause, the Rangers subs. Uh, aye, the, the, the cause. The cause. Um, <laughs> went for are you ready to know ready? Oh. But uh, I, I would say... That that's that's of their own making. Um, they they have a superiority complex, and it's come back to bite them. They 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 were happy with their business in the summer, but now they're saying that Ross Wilson should be, I think swinging, swinging for the stands. Bees, short and curlies was the was the the, the exact uh, tweet that I read. But the, 
you know, they were they were happy. They did come off the back of the Europa League final. They thought they'd strengthen, mm-hmm. and they thought we had stood still. Um, MD watching that game yesterday. There's not, there's not really one football team there, and that's I'm, I'm not being, you know, big headed. You, you just saw the changes that we made, the, the way that we. I, I think almost every sub bar maybe Abada was involved in the goal or, or mm-hmm. contributed towards the and goal. Abada was there. Abada was there at the yeah. back post, and you know it, it, Johnston and Vickers are in the box as well. I think they're, they're up, they're up yeah. in, in the box. It just the, the desire that the team show, the, the way that they play, they've got a pattern of play, a style of play. Everybody's well drilled. You know, you know the way Celtic are going to play. It's no coincidence we score so many goals in the last fifteen minutes of games. We're relentless, and. Everybody knows what's coming, but they just can't stop it. Yeah, there's so much chat um, on Twitter and stuff from Rangers fans saying that you know Michael Beale, the the coaching genius that is Michael Beale, just got it so wrong. You know, in 80 minutes we weren't really kind of threatening too much. Moy had come on, uh, uh, Jota had come on, and they were kind of starting to you know to do something. But at that point, that's when they bring on Sands and Wright, and they just seem like such a negative. You know, you're basically inviting Celtic on you, and for a team as you say, who constantly scored in the last 10-15 minutes that was criminal and that's potentially their downfall and as you pointed out I think James it's or sorry if it was the three subs Jota, Moy and Giacomacus all play a hand in the goal I was disappointed with Giacomacus' overall contribution Same. but he's got himself about and he's been a nuisance in the box and that's when it then spills to, to Kyogo What I loved about the goal more than anything was that it wasn't landing for us at our feet at any point it was it just seemed to end up with Ryan Jack. It just seemed to end up just bouncing about the box. We weren't getting anywhere near it. But did they stop? Did at any point they stop to try and get a lot of pressure on the defender try to clear it? Not one player stopped. That's what I loved about it. And Moy, Moy's movement. I know it's poor defending from Jack, but it's clever enough to say, I know they're they're still playing me on here. I'm mm, going to take Bar- a wee move to the right. two yards on. I, I mean, oh, we know how I mean, bad they are. This is the thing. And I just thought it was great determination for the team. Brilliant play from Jota. Brilliant play yeah. from him. And just, there's one person that scores that on that part yesterday and it's Kyogo. So yeah. calm. So I see all that bedlam going on everywhere. There's three guys in the line and a goalie. Yeah. And he just says, there's, there's the spot. That's yeah. it. Picks it. Final point as well. We've not had enough time to cover it here. But huge mention to Carter Vickers who makes a, a phenomenal block from Tillman, his countryman. Uh, when it was 2-1 to Rangers and that keeps us in the game and that gives us a platform to, to kick on. Listen, we're going to draw a line under the game. But Miff, your final comments on that one? Um, in the context of the league, a good result. But overall, with the way we started the game, disappointed not to have just put the, the league to bed yesterday. That, that's how I feel. Um, created a wee bit more buzz around, around them and noise which I just don't think they deserve it I, I, I thought they we regarded our performance yesterday as poor overall I, I would have said Rangers were the same there's, there's a buzz they're getting a buzz off this and the media's helping them with that they didn't win a must win game that's it end yeah. of story yeah and as Miff says despite being far from our best the result leaves us in a, a really solid position we're 9 points clear and 20 goals to the good Tino we're only 3 points clear that's not how the league works <laughs> this is great no, how does that change now though it's yeah. four points <laughs> Paddy the, the final word to you before we move on from this one um, I just think that it was a, a very strong show mentally from us yesterday um, it's just the character of that team uh, they don't know when they're beat they, 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 they really don't and like like Jamie says if that's your strongest if that's your strongest team and you're happy with that performance then good luck with the rest of the season yeah exactly so as I say 9 points clear 20 goals to the good uh, next up for Celtic it's a league game against Kilmarnock and that's 3 o'clock this Saturday at Celtic Park so we're moving on to the big topic and we are going to move away from Monday's game kind of to cover that but there's a, a tie-in with a couple of the, the VAR decisions so my question for you guys today simply is are Celtic been refereed to a different standard when it comes to how VAR has been applied in Scottish football. James, your initial response? Uh, not Celtic. Everyone except Rangers has been VAR different, different standard. And you can see it because the inconsistencies are there. Every team has a VAR complaint, bar one. Every team has VAR gone against them, bar one. So it's not necessarily against Celtic. It's against everyone except Rangers. Strong words. Miff? Well, I just go back to the handballs that we've not had given to us versus the ones that we've had against us um, I think there seems to be some sort of pseudo changing of the handball rule that week to week that, that went against us I mean I've never seen a ref bows quick like that Ross County handball for a rally when his hand is by his right. side well, it, cannot, it cannot be a, and it's outside the box it cannot be in a more natural position it's bounced up off 
the Ross County player's foot onto his arm and the ref I mean the ref couldn't wait to point to the spot. Instead went to Vardov upheld it. The Burnaby one, he's not even looking at the ball. No. Albeit that you could argue his hands out, but his hands out for jumping for the yeah, ball. That's how you hit a We've not the Michael Smith one, we've not the Goldson one. Just come out and tell us what like, come and explain those decisions to us. I, I, that is what we need. We need Transparency. all the officials that have been involved in that to say, right, oh, this, this is why we came to that decision. Because without it, whilst there's a deafening silence, we are left to jump to these conclusions. Yeah, Paddy, in terms of Monday's game alone, it can be summed up in two incidents. So obviously we've discussed that in a bit of detail. Rangers apparently on 52 minutes. I do think it's soft, but it's in the category of 50-50. But if it is 50-50, why wasn't it reviewed you know, on the screen? Why was John Beaton not asked to come to the, the VAR screen by Willie Collum? Has Willie Collum in the VAR room basically just said, it's a definite penalty, 100%, no doubt, stay where you are, John, that's fine. Uh-huh. So that's one point. The second one uh, is the Goldson handball on 64 minutes. His hands are in an unnatural position, absolutely. They're up somewhere above his head. Maybe, maybe yeah. body bigger. And it blocks the ball's route to goal. How is that not apparently in any other league, any other competition where VAR is being applied, that's apparently what's different here? If Goldson's hands are down another 10 centimetres, say, right, both both hands, and and the He's shot is hit where it's hit, then I could see the argument. But they are up so, so high. They are up so, so high. And I know how close it is. I get it. I get the speed of play is different from a slow motion view. I totally understand. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew, I mean... Still not even a, it's a Carol Starfelt shot. Right? It's, it's very unlikely that it's probably even on target. But the fact is, it's right in front of everyone, and they have taken the time to review it. It's probably been the quickest review of the season as well. Might add, probably was it even uh, thirty seconds added on um, for injury time because of it. I just it baffles me. It baffles me. What what do we need to do to to get something from this? Like, and, and when I say get something from this. I mean the rules be applied. What, what do we need to do for that to happen from a referee in this league? Yeah. Struggling. I mean, my f- Rangers are the only club yet to concede a penalty in the Scottish Premiership this season after 20 games. Is that just a coincidence? Uh, well, I, I don't think so because where there is marginal decisions, they, they will always get the benefit of the doubt. That's just that's just the way things are. Um, I mean, the, the one up at Aberdeen, Tavernier's kind of handballed it onto the the post it's it's as blatant a penalty as you'll S- ever see Sands against Tibbs that's even more um, blatant Sands against Tibbs it, you know there, there's an absolute catalogue um, I mean the, the worst decision of the season for me is the Ross County player through and goal with Sands Sands brings Sands. him down on a booking. There, wasn't, there wasn't a VAR at that point um, no, he was on a booking but he was on a booking and, and the referee literally stood on the halfway line at Ibrox and shrugged his shoulders mm-hmm. at, Don Robertson stood yep. and just went what what do you want me to do? None to see here. And you, you know, th- that's what I mean about the marginal decisions. Now, if that happens to any other team, any other team, but based on what I've seen this season at Celtic Park go every week, you're, you're, off, the, you're off the park. You know, you're, you're off the park. The, the, the penalties we've had given against us, madness. And yeah. it, it just and the things we haven't had go for us, madness. And it's getting really, really frustrating to the point now where you're waiting before you celebrate a goal when you're at mm-hmm. a game and stuff like that. Yeah. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Well, just on that, Matthew, you've mentioned there's a there's been a catalogue of incidents and I'm going to read out some here. Right? So VAR has now been in operation for 10 Celtic League games and including yesterday's two major incidents, I'm going to give you 10 very very questionable decisions in total which have gone against Celtic. I'll just rattle through these quickly. Right? So the Michael Smith handball against Hearts or for Hearts on the 22nd of October, that was the very first day that VAR was in play. Abada also scores a late goal in that game at 4-3 to Celtic and to this day we've yet to see a replay to show us clearly that was offside. It's like JFK, you know, did it happen or did it not? Yeah, so that, no. that, that one's just fallen into the ether. Uh, number three, the penalty given against Burnaby in the Dundee United game that Miff mentions where he wasn't even looking. That's the 5th of November. Same game, a chest high challenge with the studs on Jack Amakis. Nothing to see here, no red card. We move on. I don't even think a yellow card was given, which is bizarre. Didn't get a foul. Yeah. Uh, fifth incident Jota's disallowed goal against Motherwell the ridiculous camera angle which I think Miff's more took the tower yep, on a, on a yep. Nokia 3310 yep. and again you know nothing to see here that's 9th of November straight leg challenge on Starfelt in the same game not even reviewed could have been a straight red uh, the Ross County game the ball is flicked onto Matt O'Reilly's arm which was in the most natural of natural positions <laughs> by his side possibly outside the box as well decision 
penalty against Celtic. Uh, a badass goal that was disallowed recently against Livingston at Celtic Park. That was the 21st of December after the defender's error plays him in. Mm-hmm. Again, no goal Celtic. Uh, and the two incidents yesterday, the penalty, you know, for Sakala and the goals in handball. That, listen, there's more than that, but that's the 10 that jump out. I, I don't have the penalty for... That's uh, a penalty. Right, okay, my fault. That's a penalty. I'll just read I'll say there's been... Down I'm, try, down. I'm trying to get poetic. 10 games, aye, 10 aye, big aye, decisions. Aye, aye. It just doesn't quite it's like work. It's like Antonio Nelson's goal against Hearts. That's what we'll do. Right. right? So <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll edit this out, maybe. <laughs> but I mean, James, you're... Definitely. Your right. thoughts on these 9 or 10 incidents in general? And as I say, there are others, but what's your general take on it? What would anyone say to that? You know, they are all blatantly at least the wrong decisions or if not inconsistently applied decisions that only seem to go against us or that never, ever go against Rangers. So are Celtic talking to the SFA behind the scenes because we're paying for a service here and we're not getting what we're paying for. So there's got to be work behind the scenes. Talking to a couple of people that might be in the know seem to suggest Celtic have been to the SFA twice so far with this collection of incidents and they'll be going again based on yesterday so we'll see The irony is Celtic are paying for this service to not to their benefit or the benefit of Scottish football it's to their detriment and yeah. that's, that doesn't make any sense I mean if you'd mentioned you lads all go to the games has this enhanced your experience as no. a paying fan? No It's useless Absolutely isn't it? I, I'm still a fan of VAR I think VAR applied correctly should, should be part of the game but it, this isn't being applied it, correctly. It should be it should be helping the referees, um, but f- for what you're seeing, all you've got is is people make up as they go along. Mm-hmm. That there, there, there is no consistently applied set of rules. Just take those handball incidents alone before you get into anything else. Who who's come out and said right? That, well, that, this is why this this is why the, the, this is what we go by. Yeah, because th- there is no explanation for what we've had against us and not go for us. I think what we're definitely seeing is the officials on the park are afraid to make a decision. They're, yes. they're just happy to let it go to review and whoever's on the, the mics. And on that point, Paddy, should we look at introducing this um, transparent audio feed between the officials in the park and the in the VAR room that we see in the NFL, we see it in rugby. If there's nothing to hide here, if you're doing the right thing, if you're applying the rules by the letter of the law, let us hear the audio. That would really, really enhance at least the viewing experience and you would start to get more involved in it. I get how, how good that would be. It just it will never happen in this country. Never. Because it just lets everyone know what's going on. Well, what's going on? Can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> That's but why nobody's allowed to know. <laughs> I just think it would enhance it would enhance the product. You know, I, I agree with James. VAR is good technology mm-hmm. if applied correctly. So I, I seen somebody tweeting earlier on. A computer's only as good as information you put in it. You know, you're getting you know rubbish in, rubbish out. Correct. You've got all the stats here, but nothing's yeah. nothing's working. Final question on the VAR topic: What are or what should be the consequences of officials getting this wrong? So that there's been some wrong calls yesterday, I believe, that we've agreed on, certainly with regards to Goldson. There's been a whole catalogue there. Nine, according to me, ten, according to me. No, no, ten, according to James. <laughs> but what happens? Do you, are you allowed to just get these wrong and then just go up the road anyway? So, what used to happen on any referee, you know, um, Steve Conroy, for example, you know, has a bad game, dropped down at the third division or whatever. We don't have the pool because the, there's more referees required now per game because of our... I mean, you've got to sack the whole organisation of Scottish refereeing, start from scratch professionally and, you know, find a sponsor, put the money into it and train these guys up. See guys in football that aren't maybe going to make it amateur, junior, professional, whatever, they want to stay in the game. The right recruitment policy, advertising, whatever, you can get guys involved in the game and you can train them up properly without bias, without secrecy, without handshakes and all the rest that goes with it and bring Scottish football into the 20th century, never mind the 21st. It's got to stop and it's got to be wiped out and start again. It's the only way with full transparency. And that's it. You know, it's rather than, you know, take that kind of punishment approach of demoting them to the, the lower levels or firing them up to Cove Rangers or whatever, can you can you just retrain them better? And if no, that's I'd, I'd fire them all. all right, start okay. again. Start again. <laughs> well, that does feel quite punitive. But um, in terms of retraining, you know, can you not say to guys, right, you've got that wrong, but listen, we'll get you back down and we'll show you where you've got it wrong and, and work on it because it is new technology to all the referees here. And listen, they're not going to sack them on mass as much as maybe we'd like to see that. It's not going to happen. So can we retrain the existing guys and make them better? I, I think there is a huge amount of ego in the existing pool of refs. I think you can see that. The, the you know, arrogance. The. the in, they enjoy the spotlight mm-hmm. for mm. for whatever reason, um, but 
I, I don't think they're a, they're the most open-minded bunch whereby that feedback would be welcome. You, you, I totally agree. But you've got to start at Crawford Allen. What, what is he that, you know, he's jumping on Scottish football radio shows on a Kyogo, maybe, maybe not offside decision and then never seen since for all the contention decisions that go against us. So he's got to go for a start and then you can maybe start to, you know, bring someone in with an, an open mind who actually, you know, can improve the game. There's no Scottish referees at any high level of football, World Cup, Euros, whatever, and that's because of our inward mentality. Yeah, that Crawford Allen stuff really, really annoys me. The fact that he came out en masse on all the radio shows going to talk about, yeah, it probably wasn't a Kyogo goal. I think it probably was, but that's that's the debate. And we've not heard from him since. And all the, the reasons, I've listed a number of them, all those reasons and so much more, we don't hear a peep from him. So does he just come out when it suits the agenda? I don't know. Crawf- we- Crawford Allen sounds like the man for the job. <laughs> <laughs> we could be here all day, but it's, it's it's a debate that is just going to rumble on. And I actually don't, we talked about the teething problems and how, you know, I think it was Crawford Allen that said it's going to be, or was it Ian Maxwell actually said it's going to be pretty shambolic the first few months which is a hell of a ringing endorsement for somebody who introduced the technology aye, aye. he should have been gone for that but then mm. he, he came out and said it's actually been really good as well. yeah. aye. this is what it's meant to do can I just my last point on it this isn't a systems problem it's a people problem people problem yep the debate rumbles on and listen we're going to revisit this people time after problem. time because oh. it's <laughs> He's on fire <laughs> my start to the year see what you've done there James okay so moving on there's no mystery sell this week, but don't worry, that'll be back from next week as we kick that off again for the new year. In the meantime, though, we have a few different items to cover on this week in Celtic media. So each week here on the weekly show, one of the team will pick out something of interest that they've either watched, read or listened to that week in the world of Celtic media that they then recommend to our listeners. This week, Paddy, James and Miff all have something for us. So let's get started with Miff first of all. Miff, what have you got? Yes, it brought to you by my sons, you'll be delighted to know. It was uh, the best of 2022 unique angle, which um, the, the boys always look out for that going on after the games. And uh, we sat we sat and looked through, watched through it. Uh, I think it was Hogmanay um, when, when the boys had seen it. And it was absolutely brilliant. Just so many pivotal moments that you're getting, you know, where we've, we've scored kind of late on in games and the, the celebrations and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it, it's on YouTube. Uh, I think I'll send you the link so you can you can post it, but it's absolutely magic. Yeah. Well, well, well worth a wee, a wee sit down with a, with a cup or something stronger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's the unique angle from Celtic TV, the best of 2022. There's some brilliant goals and, and celebrations in there. Enjoy. Have you caught it, Pad? Have you seen it? I've not seen that yet, no, but I, I watched the one for yesterday's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. As I said, made this wee celebration. It's superb. Yeah, I think yeah, it's actually, something. If you watch that closely, you see... Uh, Ryan Jack's wee tantrum. Uh, even better because I've seen it on the I seen it on the on camera, obviously on the TV. But in the minute you see the unique angles, oh, it's Ra- great. Ryan Ryan Jack. Who, what, what? Ryan Jack. Just after Cause, we cause he, does, he should blow through for a corner and doesn't, he, and then it. we score and he throws a wee tantrum. Oh, does he? Aye. Oh, brilliant! I'll go back. I'll go back and enjoy brilliant. that. But the unique angle is something that I think most fans now look out for. Oh, it's, it's one of the, yep. the best things Celtic TV do. It's a really, really good um, addition, particularly when you've a, a big one. So it's definitely one to look out for. Um, and as Miff says, we'll post the link here in the show notes. It's just short of six minutes long, and it's it's very, very good viewing. Um, James has got something different to share, and it's a very touching tribute at this time to Frank McGarvey, who's very sadly passed away on New Year's Day after a long battle with illness. Frank was on the park at half time during our game against Hibs on the 15th of October at Celtic Park and spoke afterwards of just what the Celtic support meant to him. James, talk us through what you're sharing. Yeah, just as that, you know, um, I think in that game when we saw him coming on to the, the park, we knew things weren't good, obviously, you know. He's done an interview with Jerry McCulloch, maybe the same day, it certainly came out that week, and he just talks about his, his experiences at Celtic, and it's it's an emotional one, and he's very emotional in it, as to, as to his love for Celtic and his love for the fans. So, uh, Frank McGarvey was, you know, that diving header, 85 Scottish Cup final, that was my first Scottish Cup final. So, t- t- you'll, you'll always have someone like that, you know, really high in your, your memories of Celtic players. So, it was lovely to see... You, know, you love guys like that, but it was so nice to see him, the love he had for Celtic and the Celtic fans in particular. And it's, it's just a great wee watch from Jerry McCulloch and Frank McGarry. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. So the, the very goal you spoke about is the is the phenomenal diving header to win the 1985 Scottish Cup final. I wasn't sure if you were there, so I was going to ask that first of all. And I think that was his his last major action for Celtic. It, it was, I think, you know, there was just, Davey, he wanted to change up. I thought it was actually, you know, because you just always suspect it's a board mess up as, as things were going on back then but I think Davey just wanted to, to try something different um, 
But yeah, I mean, one of very few players to score over 100 goals for Celtic. So he, he had a very ungainly kind of style, you know, a very unpredictable style, but it was effective. Yeah, you see the emotion in him, we see when he sco- scores a goal. It reminds me of the, is it the guy, is it Tardelli that scored uh, for Italy in 1982? It's just pure joy and emotion when he scores that goal. That, that goal is absolutely unbelievable. Aitken's run, and you know, he's struggling to keep the ball in the park, never, never mind putting a, a half decent cross, but then. It's actually almost at the 18 yarder going away for the goal. It's the most remarkable header you'll ever see. And it goes in off the post. It's just, it's what a goal. It's unreal to win a Scottish Cup final with a goal. Ah, Brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant to see. And it's it's a very worthwhile watch, as James says. So it's Frank McGarvey's thanking the Celtic fans for all the support they've given him over the years, but certainly in in more recent times. And our thoughts and best wishes are with Frank's family at this sad time. Paddy, to round things off, you've got another uh, interesting clip from the world of Scottish football media for us. Yeah, um, this one seems to be doing the the rounds uh, quite a lot over the last couple of couple of months it's uh, it's another belter for Hugh Keevans um, talking about how dismal a performance it is and how things aren't looking great and then all of a sudden it's the goal flash on Super Scoreboard and it's absolutely brilliant so Hugh keep it up it seems to be working mate he, he, he's been doing it time after time it's almost like listen I think everyone knows Hugh Keevans background is in Celtic yeah. he's written various books about Celtic players but he can't wait to sink the boot in and he's fallen into that shock jock style I think he's a good journalist and he's got experience over the years with Steen and Fergie and all that kind of stuff but he's fallen into that world hasn't he? I, I think I really like Hugh Keevans I think he, he creates that he, he creates that talking point for fans he gets Celtic and Rangers fans annoyed I think Aye. he's uh, he knows exactly what he's doing but whether he knows a goal's already been scored maybe he's on bet 365 and it's came <laughs> through before they've seen it or something yeah. I don't know but it's uh, oh, it's just brilliant hearing that Aye. I love when that happens it's a fun <laughs> lesson this one because he's in the middle of chastising Celtic and I think it's Gordon Dale that pipes up and goes Jota's looking to make something happen here yeah. <laughs> and before, oh and it's the equaliser yeah, before you know <laughs> but yep uh, but as mentioned we'll link to that one and all the clips in today's show notes we don't really have time to cover much else but it should be noted that Celtic have added a further sign in the shape of Tomoki Iwata uh, he's joined Alistair Johnson and Yuki Kobayashi as our third January signing and Celtic's sixth Japanese player overall under Ange does anybody know anything about him? nope he was the J-League's Player of the Year last year. Um, he came from Angie's old club at Yokohama Marinos, so he must have something about him, and it's, it'll be exciting to see him and Kobayashi get their first start, Smith. Absolutely. It just goes... It's such a strange feeling for us to be continually strengthening and, and, and looking at players and covering positions. The Abelgaard one's interesting because he's still been on the bench, even though there's a lot of chat, but he's mm-hmm. won't been terminated, so it'll be that quite... Was, that was because of Turnbull needed the cover. Just with Turnbull being suspended, so that'll be him. So, um yeah, but no, listen, all, all for it. It would just be interesting to see him getting into the team, I think. Because it's just a shame for, for Adeguchi that you, you would assume he's going to leave now with the, the signings that we've made, but just a shame we never really seen the best of him because he, he, he was equally as heralded as um, Hitati and, and Maeda I, when he signed. I yeah. thought more so. Um, uh, so the guys in said he's the guy. So it's it's just been really unfortunate and it just shows what can happen and how lucky we've been with other players that, that were brought in that they've, they've, they've settled in so well. So, yep, just fingers crossed they, they get settled, they get lots of game time and we see the best of them. Yeah, it's exciting to see these new additions and I think even by, you know, this time next week when we're doing the show, there's every chance there'll be, you know, more movement in and out. So we'll keep a very close eye on that. James, 2023 is now well underway. What's your thoughts and hopes for the new year under Ange? Just keep doing what you're doing, you know. Um, Picking James Forrest Ibrooks. Don't not do that again. <laughs> I don't think that, don't think that will ever happen again. Um, no, I mean the the guys have come back in great form, you know, after the World Cup break, and particularly the you know the two games before Ibrox, they were really starting to hit that form. So back to Kilmarnock on Saturday, you know, you can't take anything for granted, but it should be going on, getting a few goals, see a bit more of Johnson, maybe see a bit of Kobayashi as well, um, and should we be seeing what Burnaby can do at left back? Yeah, be interesting to see if he gets a bit more game time. Paddy, likewise, what's your targets for Ange and the team between now and the end of the season? Yeah, I, I agree with with, uh, with Jamie there. I just think they'll just keep keep going with what we're doing and um, nothing nothing really really worried me about that performance yesterday. I just think it was one of those we've got the point. It's been a, a poor performance, but we just move on from it. Nothing really stood out and made me think that there's a, a little chance elsewhere for for them. I don't see that at all. Uh, great result yesterday and just to, to continue for the remainder of the season I still think that we'll, we'll, we'll continue to gain more points uh, away from that nine point lead just now um, just on that one as well just uh, 
a quick shout out to the, the happy couple for last week, if you don't mind, you know, so for Alan and Megan Thornton, cheers for a, a great wedding last Wednesday, a great day, especially when the, the goals were coming in at Easter Road as well. Cheers for the invite, Alan, Megan, I think, <laughs> uh, I think that was a paddy special. But, it was, uh, uh, no, best of wishes to the, the happy couple. My final word goes to you this week, so give us some of your inspiring words of wisdom to take us into the new year. Uh, well, I think, I think it started well, you know, just the, the, the main... The main mission was not to get beaten. We didn't. We, we dug ourselves out a hole, which I think is to, to our, our, our credit. Um, the team just continually find ways of making us proud. Um, you need to remember the goal difference as well. It's in, it's in effect an extra point. We're in such a strong position. Um, really, for me, it's just about the intriguing parts of the new signings. But will they actually strengthen the first team? If they do, then then it's going to be a tremendous end to the season. Ho- hopefully they do. I'm I'm just excited. It, it's it's really, it just continually feels really the way that we're doing our business. It continually feels really fresh, and it's just it's just such a great time to be a Celtic fan. You, just now. you kind of get comfy as, a, as an Ange player because there's always change going on. And you know, look at the impact the guys had last January. So if, if these guys can do half of that. We'll be doing well. Yeah, very good point. So that wraps things up for the first episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly of 2023. Thanks to Paddy, James and Miff, and as always, our thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to visit our new website at theceltichexchange.com where you can view all of our podcasts and blog articles and can take part in our special end-of-year quiz as we sign off on 2022. You'll also find details there of our Celtic Exchange Plus subscription offer as we get set for another busy run of fixtures in the weeks ahead. But in the meantime, from myself and the team, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you again this time next week. Network.